Is it the right mic now? It is the right mic now. Yay. Welcome to Hysterical History. Yay. I'm Alexis. I'm Haley. And we have to start over because it wasn't recording, even though it said it was. Oh, Thank it. you. hate that. But whatever. As soon as you <laughs> tab out of the program, it's like, oh, I guess I'll stop. Yeah, I, I forgot I have to do it on my phone or else the entire world will collapse. So let me pull it up real quick on my phone and then we can start over again. How is everybody doing? <laughs> How you doing? Come I did in. forget and I wanted to mention, actually, we're putting this episode up late that uh, we – I wanted to do it earlier, <laughs> but uh, we had a sudden, like – need to go out of town to for vaccines because they had, like, extra ones in my home county. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were given away, and it was, like, the day after I had spent all day in my hometown and come back yeah. because I was visiting. And then the, day bef- the two days before I was there, they had vaccines for anyone who wanted them, and the day after I was there. <laughs> but not the day you were there. No, but so those are the Monday and Tuesday would be the normal days I would research for Wednesday, and then I was... At home, both of those times, and it took all day. So that's why it's late. I'm sorry. But we are doing it now and again. (laughs) Again. So start at the beginning. It only matters to us. Uh, I'm going to talk about two women today, black women, which was going to make up for our lack of black history Month doing, I'm sorry, because we were in, like, the, the middle of episodes, and then also is my birthday. It's also the shortest month of the year, so it really just flies by. Black history is for all times all of the, the year. All the time. All time. Agreed. And then it's Women's History Month now, and so I'm going to talk about two black women today. Hell yeah. To get us. We're here. We're doing it. Uh, so the first source that I mainly use is a streetcar to justice. Streetcar named justice. <laughs> named desire of justice by Amy Hillhurst. We're just going to totally mess up the title so no one can ever find it. And then there's all of that interesting article by Genevieve Carlton for the second one that we're doing. But so we're going to talk about uh, black discrimination and slavery in New York, which is uh, a thing. A thing. Which I already know because... <laughs> you already know because I mentioned it, but we're going to talk about it again. re-recording, but yikes. So New York ends slavery in 1799, which ends is a word <laughs> Yay! you can use. End of slavery. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that if you were born before 1799, you will be enslaved for the rest of your life. It's so messed up. Are you happy we ended it? I hate it and, But so if you were born much. after 1799, Haley... Oh, then you're, you're free forever? No. No. <laughs> You're free if you're a woman after you're 25 and if you're a man after you're 28. It's so, I hate it. And they call that ending slavery in New York. Okay. Well done. We're not insulting current New York, obviously, but uh, what is that? Uh, Hmm. What up? I guess it's better than nothing. But uh, like, you're trying to end it slavery. It is almost nothing. So at least some of you are aware that this is not a thing you should do to human beings. Yep. But you're doing it like this. You're being real wishy-washy about it. This was your halfway. And there are other states that kind of just say, like, we're not going to do it anymore. And it's just over. Yeah. But not New York. No. Um, a lot of states did this kind of, like, half measure, though. And I wouldn't even say half measure. I don't know. One hundredth of a measure. Uh, um, you one, know. One, one fifth of a measure. One third. <laughs> at least. Um, 
But so in 1817, they pass a law that says all enslaved people will be free in 10 years. 1827. I hate it. It's like, why does it take that long? I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> and like, if you are an enslaved person at the time, you hear this and you're like, oh, we're going to be free. Oh, in a decade. I hate it. Cool. Great. Love that for yeah. me. Um and obviously, even after they're freed in 1827, racism abounds. <laughs> of, we, yeah. It doesn't make it go away. Of course. Not, racism still exists. For sure. But, like, extra bad when it, like, just stopped being slavery. God, can um, you even imagine? Because, uh, for sure, a lot of people are still con- c- going to consider them property, right? Because that's how they've been raised to consider them. Right. So it's not going to magically, like, now that we freed them, they're people. It's like, uh, like brain oh, don't work like that. Oh, you have legal rights now? Like, I care. Yeah. Um, And this is most obviously seen in the right to vote in that in New York before 1821, um, black men and white men could vote if they owned more than $100 worth of property, which like most of them didn't, Mm -hmm. black men. So, but some of them could vote. Some of them. The, you know, genteel high class ones, I guess. Um, But in 1821, it was changed to where all white men can vote, no matter if you have property or not. But if you're black, you have to own $250 of property. The ratio of white to black voters was not good enough for racists. (laughs) I guess. And it's like, if they had just still made black people, you know, have to have $100 of property, I would kind of be like, I mean, fine, you know? It's still racist, but, like, to raise it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's what? it's very clearly Are suppression. You kidding? And like it isn't subtle. And it does effectively like it suppresses effectively all black men from voting in the state. Yeah. Like some of them had a hundred dollars worth of property. Almost none of them have two hundred fifty dollars worth of property. That's a lot so, at the time. You're welcome, uh, non land owning white men. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Black men got you the vote. Because yep. racists were like, ooh, we need more white people. So I guess the rest of you can. It's fine. Hmm. I guess the poorest can have a vote. I guess the poorest can vote. It's terrible. We should also suppress the black vote. Yeah. Um, but there, And there are not a lot of job opportunities for black people even after they're freed because most jobs require, like, schooling. And, like, also you have to just hope that the people employing aren't racist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to hope that they're cool with, like, their racist customers coming in and seeing a black person behind yeah, the counter. So of, it's just A lot of ministers hard. and bellhops and yeah. service industry Yeah, basically things. they can become ministers or teachers, but both of those require education. And only men can become ministers. Women aren't allowed to at the time. Mm-hmm. So really limited for black women specifically. Yeah. Um, but because of the lack of job opportunities, a lot of black men and women do the jobs that they did previously when they were enslaved, which is a lot of black women are doing housework and, like, taking care of children, and a lot of black men are doing, like, physical labor jobs. Yeah. So now it's just, like, you're free, and you get to do the same job to the same people and just get paid a little bit. And they still uh, are, you know, segregated physically um, in school, but also restaurants, theaters, churches even. They'll have, like, a back section of, like, black people can be back here, which is, like, (laughs) what? At church. How would you ever go to a white church? Well, that's why they establish black churches, right? Because they're like, I don't want to be all those white people. churches are clearly better. (laughs) Clearly better. As someone who doesn't really ever want to go to church, the black ones seem clearly superior. (laughs) They have a lot more fun. They seem like they actually (laughs) like being there. Yeah. For sure. 
Um, and public transportation's always been a big, you know, place to segregate. Uh, and at the time, it was streetcars, which are basically like big carriages, but they like function as like buses. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what we're using in New York because New York City, you know, even in the we're going to be in the 1850s, but even in like the 20s, is like pretty sprawling at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard to get around. So black people have to ride on the outside of the car. Um, unless it is a, uh, oh, and like I said before, I'm going to be using the term, uh, colored occasionally because that's the name of something. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that is not an appropriate word to use anymore. We say like people of color, but the language in the past is colored is what was being used at the time. So, uh, what is like the, the title on the car will say colored people allowed in the car, which why would they just say colored people allowed too? Like, why don't you just, <laughs> I, I guess. Because it's in the car instead of outside the car, I guess. Sure, sure. I don't know. But so if it's a non-labeled car, you can be on the outside if you're black. But Mm -hmm. if it is labeled, then you can be on the inside, too. How nice. Well, how nice. But these cars um, for people of color. How progressive. (laughs) Yeah. We'll let you in the car. Um, But these ones come in frequently, uh, and they are often late. So uh, you can leave early from your house to get to your location and then still be late because the car just doesn't come when it's so supposed it's to. So it's basically just the subways today. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's so. It's still, it's just transportation in New York City has always been like this. <laughs> For sure. But even worse if you're a person of color, <laughs> yeah. of course. Um, well, and I, it's just funny what I think about it, too, because I was going to say something like that. Oh, you know, like, oh, it's just how public transportation is. But, like, our public transportation system is incredibly efficient here. Like, I mean, in the Seattle area. Here. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just so, but like, you know, it's one of those things where people are like, oh, you know, the mail is always slow, even though I'm like, mail is actually very fast. Um, that it's like, oh, the bus is always late. It's like, not here. It is like, sometimes they're early in a bad way that you're like, I still have two minutes. Let me get there, dude. Uh, you um, are supposed to wait for me. <laughs> you need to wait. Um, no, New York City. Um, no, 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 no. no. no, no. <laughs> it's too dense. It's always been too dense. It's too dense. Since and the beginning. Now everything's too old. Yep. Just breaking just down all the time. Messy. Even in 1850, too old. Too old. But so Elizabeth Jennings is a black teacher in 1855. She's one of apparently only 13 black teachers in the whole state. I love her. Love her. Love her. She's perfect. And she's headed to First Colored American Congressional Church on July 16th, 1854. Um, Jennings is worried about getting to church on time for choir. And she's very frustrated because... She's got to wait for the cars to come, and she's already on a time limit. Like, you know, mm-hmm. transportation's already annoying. She's sitting there with her friend Sarah complaining, like, when's it going to come? She sees a car approach, but it doesn't have the sign. And if there's no sign, it's a default white car. You know, we only label <laughs> the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's hoping to explain, you know, like, hey, can I be on this? Because i got to get over there. Uh, and so she tells him she can't wait. She needs to be on the car. And uh, she's in a hurry to get to church, and she says, uh, he told me that the other car had my people in it and that it was appropriate for that purpose. Mm. Um, Oh, my people? (laughs) To Mm. which she replied, I then told him I had no people. It was no particular occasion. I wished to go to church, as I had been going for the last six months, and I did not wish to be detained. So just like, just let me come, please. Do it for Jesus. Come on. (laughs) Right, we learn later he's Irish. Come on. People are still racist against Irish people. Like, not as bad. No, but I'm saying, like, he's probably Catholic. 
Well, yeah, and I'm saying maybe he <laughs> should have some empathy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, but he insists she get off the car. They're not picking her up. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tells him she can't, or that she's going to wait on the car standing there until the other car comes. Calling his bluff. Yeah. She's Love like, it. okay, fine. I'm going to stand here and wait All right. until that car gets here for me. I can wait. And he agrees and says, uh, he insisted on my waiting in the street, which she doesn't get off, but eventually, uh, you know, she fights him long enough that the other car comes up and she says, hey, is there any room over there? And they go, no. <laughs> There's not. Turns back to Irishman. Um, What's his name? Does he have a name? They don't say his name, I don't think. But so she's like, hmm, well then, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's still trying to get her off. And he says he could wait just as long as she can. Doubt it. And she says, very well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the driver, so this is the conductor she's arguing with, but then the driver is getting impatient because he's probably the one who's going to get in trouble for being late. Sure. And he's like, just get in, you know. Feels like whatever. it should be a mutual lateness thing between them. Yeah. Like, I agree. <laughs> aren't you all in the same car here? Yeah. He might be the one getting the brunt of it, though, you know, because he's less higher up. I don't know. So he's just like, come on, let's just go. Um, but he basically says, if anybody objects, we're kicking you off because that's the rule. And she says, I answered again and told him I was a respectable person, born and raised in New York, did not know where he was born. Yeah. And where? I had never been cons- uh, consulted before while going to church. And that he was a good-for-nothing, imprudent fellow for insulting decent persons while on their way to church. She's like, yeah, go back where you came where from. Where did you come from? I'm from here. <laughs> He's like, I'm from Ireland. <laughs> Which is the most New Yorker thing to be to do. To be like, I'm from New York. Where are you from? <laughs> we love you, New Yorkers. You're so aggressive. It's always, and it's always been like that. Yeah. It's people fighting in the street. <laughs> Which is so funny. Alyssa was telling me so that her brother, he did um, uh, his mission in, like, uh, Southeast Asia, like, islandy area, right? Mm-hmm. And that while he was there, uh, everybody there thought that America was just New York. And they're like, where are New York are you from? And then he was like, I'm not from New York. I'm from Washington. And they were like, what? <laughs> what is that? Is that in, like, Manhattan? <laughs> Where is it? Kind of. Is that a borough? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm like, just lie. But <laughs> you're on your mission, though. Maybe you should lie. He, I don't. I don't. Can he lie? Is he allowed to lie? He's there for Jesus. And be like, I. I sure. I'd lie, but it doesn't hurt anything. Just to be like, yeah. Um. You know, it's pretty cool. Just for convenience's sake. <laughs> We're not all from New York, but I'm also. <laughs> I also wouldn't be there on my religious mission. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but so she's real mad and like, I don't know where you're from. But mm-hmm. I'm from New York, and you're being rude. I'm from New York. Which is funny, because it's, like, kind of the, uh, you know, defining feature of New Yorkers is that they're rude. <laughs> Once yeah. again, I love them. Um, but it is their thing. Hey, I'm walking here, you know? The grind of the city just gets rid of all of their niceness. Yeah. You have to be scrappy. <laughs> Seattle's exact opposite. You don't, like, really look at people. You don't talk to people. If you someone approaches exist. you in Seattle, you're like, what is happening? One time a guy tapped on my car because I was, like, a little bit in the, like, crosswalk. Mm-hmm. And we were both, like, really upset about it. I was like, how dare you touch my car? <laughs> right. Like That what? was, like, the rudest possible thing he could do. Who touches cars? He didn't even cars? hurt it. He just, he just tapped it twice, and I got so mad. <laughs> yeah. And I was, like, in New York every day. They're, like, freaking, you know, body slamming your vehicle. <laughs> They're, like, rolling over the hood. They're trying to get hit by cars in New York. <laughs> They're aiming for you. Anyway, so the conductor answers, uh, he's from Ireland, and she replies, it made no difference uh, where a man was born, that he was none the better 
uh, or the worse or better for that, provided he behaves himself and did not insult genteel persons. Yeah. Maybe you should be less rude. I'm a nice lady going to church. Stop being rude I to me. I am a nice lady. As he screams at him aggressively. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm a nice lady. I'm a nice lady. <laughs> That's what New Yorkers do. And she is being a nice lady. She is. He wouldn't have, like, his skin anymore if... She was not being a nice lady. But this infuriates him that she's like, well, I don't care where you're from. You're just mean, basically. Because, like, yeah, she already won, right? Like, she gets to be on the car. Uh, (laughs) She probably should stop. But she won't. She's like, and I love her for it. Like, you nasty man! I can't believe you said that to me. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? And he's like, dude, (laughs) you nasty ginger! Shut up! How dare you? She's like, hey, that's racist (laughs) to this black woman who's yelling at him. That's racist. And so he gets really mad, and then he insists she gets out of the car, or else he's going to physically pull her off the car because now he's just mad. Mm -hmm. And uh, the conductor. Pushes her friend off the car um, and then tries to pull Jennings off, uh, but she's physically fighting him to stay on, like, scratching at him. Like, yeah. Um, it is, like, prime time in history still for beating women in public. Oh, for sure. And she is quoted, uh, I screamed murder with all my voice, and my companion screamed out, you'll kill her. Don't kill her. Uh, the driver then let me go and went to his horses. <laughs> so thanks, pal. Thanks. But he goes over the horses not to, like, continue along the way and let her come, but to direct them to the police, basically. Uh, yes. But while they're doing that, Jennings not only uh, doesn't get off the streetcar, she goes in the streetcar and <laughs> goes to sit. Even deeper in the streetcar. Goes to sit with the white people inside, um, which then is why they go to the police. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about this on the recording hmm. that died. died. But I I wasn't sure, like, so they're going to the police, but why? Just because, like, is it illegal to be in there? I don't think so. Or are they just, it's that, you know, even today if the bus driver tells you to get off, you got to get off. I think it's just that she is misbehaving in public. And mm-hmm. so they're like, hey... Maybe a policeman will scare her into doing what we want. She's being a hysterical woman. Yes. Hmm. We're going to go over this white police officer and be like, this black woman's acting up. Can you help us? They've just been waiting for an excuse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's kind of the what's going on here. He's a peacekeeper, Haley. Yeah, it's the the, I don't know, the white person thing of like, you know, a black person and mm-hmm. like is like the racists make eye contact and they both know what's going to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nasty. It's terrible. Uh, but so they get over to the policeman. Um, they do get her off of the streetcar eventually. And uh, the policeman basically says like, hey, you know, uh, if you want to charge, press charges, you can or you can try to sue them. Um but it kind of said in a derogatory way almost of, like, bet you won't. Uh, like, you could do this, I guess. Saying that to the bus person? The policeman saying that to Elizabeth. Oh. Like, you could press charges if you want. Like, you could try, basically. Because like, she's, good like, luck. In, clearly injured. Yeah, visibly. she's visibly bruised and, like, scratched and, like, her dress is ripped and things. So he's like, I guess you could try. And she's like, great, sure, yeah, I would like to do that. I so. Mean, that's a better outcome than I was expecting. And honestly, like, 
I love the idea of him being like, well, I guess you could do that. Like, have you seen this woman? Like, I bet you won't. It's like, I bet she will. Someone tried to just really tell her to take another bus, and she was like, I'm going to fight you. Literally. I will physically fight you on this bus. I will physically fight you. <laughs> so I think she'll do it. She's like taking off her earrings. Exactly. Like, I'm ready for right, you. Right. Like, she's not going to do the legal route because, what, it's too difficult? She was physically fighting this man. Mm-hmm. Multiple men. Yeah, multiple men. Multiple men. And so uh, she goes and she gets the driver's name and the conductor's name, which they both give to her. But they give her the wrong streetcar number. Uh, they tell her it's seven. And then when they drive away, she can see on the back it says six. So she's like, hmm. They thought they'd get away. Which is weird because, like, you don't need their streetcar number to sue them. You only need their names. <laughs> so, like, what? Also, it's on the back. Like, they know that she's going to see it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they, she's going to turn around. <laughs> or drive away. Looking They're at like, like, don't look at the number. Don't. Take it off. Don't look at that. Remove it. That one's wrong. Yeah. It's really seven. This isn't my usual car number. It's usually six. <laughs> I forgot which one I'm in. Sorry. Uh, what? Don't. Whatever. But so she doesn't go to church. You know, she's been now uh, assaulted. She had a day. battered. And uh, she'd like to go home. But now she's a mile from her home, essentially, um, because that's how New York is. So she yeah. walks back. Her friend was left a while back. So she's gone. And she's just walking home alone. And then this German guy comes up behind her and is like, hey, I saw you back there and it uh, looked pretty bad. So if you need a witness for anything you do, I would be willing to do that. Aww. And I'm like, that's a very nice man. That's thank a, you, man. That one's a nice man. Hi, thank you. Which I think tells you kind of the extent of how bad it was, like, to witness. Because she was, like, screaming at the top of her lungs, like she said, you know, like, physically being pulled off. And he was like, yikes. I would testify for you if you need it. It tells you that at least some people there are um, not as racist, at least. Yeah, at least affected by this as a human being. Because, like, a, a lot of people probably saw that happen. For sure. And one person was like, hey, I'll hey. I'll help. And, like, that she was leaving and he kind of, like, hunted her down. Yeah. Because there's definitely times when, like, this isn't as extreme, obviously. But, you know, it's like when you see a, like— a stranger in public, but they're like, they look really nice or mm-hmm. something. And I'm like, oh, I want to compliment them because I want to be nice. You know, I'd be like, oh, I like your hair or I like your outfit or something. But then if they like, if I think that already, I have enough social anxiety to be like, I don't really want to talk to them though. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be like, no, do it. You know, like you could be helping someone have a nice day or whatever. I'll just do it. And so I'm like, okay. Uh, but then if they like go to leave, I'm not going to follow them <laughs> or yell. Right. I'm just like, up oh, too late. I'm not going to follow them <laughs> into a dark alley to tell them that their hair is nice. No, that's creepy. Um, so easily he could have been like, hey, I, I'd help you. But then like she starts leaving and he's like, oh, never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, good for him for being like, wait, no, let me help wait. you. I would like to help you. But so she gets home and her parents are like, what happened to you? Because her dress is all ripped and she's got visible bruises and she just looks miserable. She's like, you know, um, white people. You know. Life. Um, And they immediately call for a doctor. He comes and he's, you know, she's got bruises. She's got cuts. um, She's got broken bones, he says, probably. Uh, He basically just tells her she needs to, like, be on bed rest for multiple days to just feel better. Um, Old time cure for broken bones. You need to lie down. Lay down. For a while. I mean, the cure for everything is lay down, right? Pretty Uh, much. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, you know, if if at any moment I start feeling bad mysteriously, I'm like, I should lay down. It's probably better. No matter what happens, it's going to be better if I'm not standing for this. Yeah, no matter what it is. Um, But while she's, like, laying down and the doctor's talking to her, her dad is like, hey, I know that something, you know, you're upset and hurt and something bad happened to you. But could you write down in incredible detail exactly what happened to you, please? Yes. 
And she's like, sure. Um, you know, and she's like a teacher, so it's like she, she's pretty, probably pretty eloquent, sounds like. Um, and like some of the quotes earlier are from that statement, like from her writing down exactly what happened right mm-hmm. away, which is important to do when there's like been a thing. When the memory's fresh. Uh-huh. Uh, if ever there's like anything that happens to you that you think is sketchy that you might want to sue for eventually or like might be a criminal kind of thing. If it feels weird, like write down as much as possible immediately Mm -hmm. uh, because it's going to help a ton. Uh, So she writes that all down and then her father's like, great, I love you, I'll be back later and takes it with him. Um, (laughs) I need to go talk to a buddy of mine. I got to do some work, my (laughs) dear, Uh, because her father's Thomas Jennings and he's – Directly related to the black leaders of New York, like, working with them. He's in multiple uh, advocacy groups. Like, he goes to the National Conventions of Free People of Color, the Wilberforce uh, Philanthropic Society, and the Phoenix Society. So he's a fancy man. The Phoenix Society. Mm -hmm. And he's out here, like, doing marches and, like, protesting for rights for black people. And uh, this is the wrong lady these guys mess with. A mistake. You picked the wrong... I mean, as if it wasn't clear by the fact that she <laughs> turned around and fought you, yeah. you picked the That's wrong lady. That's too much confidence. Something's going on. <laughs> you, uh, that should make you suspicious. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Women with confidence? Mm. Mm. Suspicious. Suspicious. Why is, she, why is she so confident? Who gave her this confidence? Uh-huh. And it's her daddy. <laughs> who, who has instilled her with this confidence? Is it a loving support group and family unit? Mm-hmm. Could be. Could be. Maybe you don't want to mess with her. <laughs> um, and so he reaches out to his group that includes Frederick Douglass. And not just includes Frederick Douglass. I love how cash It includes Frederick and Douglass. Just, he's there. You know. And, you know, mm-hmm. Frederick Douglass is just, like, hanging, hanging around. Uh, but not only does it include him... Uh, when Thomas Jennings dies, Frederick Douglass writes, like, a tribute to him. So they're like friends. <laughs> yeah. He's been to her birthday parties. For sure. They're friends. <laughs> they're friends. Family friend Frederick Douglass is here. Yeah. Old family friend Frederick Douglass. And I don't think I included this later in the notes, but, like, spoiler alert, they go to court. And when they do go to court, um, Frederick Douglass, like, writes about it in his own paper, which is, like, very popular at the time uh, because they're friends. <laughs> so he's like, let me tell you what's going on. Uh, also, it's a pretty big deal. So, he, uh, and Thomas Jennings himself is a tailor by trade, um, and he's probably the first black man to receive a patent in American history, which is exciting, mm-hmm. um, for a new method of dry cleaning that he invented. Uh, and his patent was signed by John Quincy Adams, and apparently it's his prized oh. possession. He's got, like, framed and hanging. Cute. Very cute. Uh, this was back in the day when presidents had time to sign <laughs> All the patents. Presidents were the patent office. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, the Adams are famous for being abolitionists, so bless. I mean, why wouldn't he be your favorite president? Yeah. Especially at the time. Fair. You know? Yeah. Um, Fewer choices. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just assume, I guess, that people like him better than John Adams just because. Because nobody you know? likes John. Yeah. Uh, but also, I know there's drama around Quincy Adams because of his how he got elected and stuff. So there's that. Yeah. So I don't know. But he likes him. And he likes it. Uh, Elizabeth's church holds an emergency meeting about the incident. Um, and Elizabeth doesn't go because she's on bed rest. But they get her account published in the New York Daily Tribune with the title Outrage Upon Colored Persons three days after the incident, which is, like, immediately. Very fast. Uh, when they've got to, you know, print everything and... <laughs> like, hand-set the type <laughs> yeah. font. That's very quick to get them to do it. They're making it go viral. And apparently, like, one of the things that um, 
Hearth, who wrote this book, mentioned was it, you know, I think it was quite a challenge for her to get all these sources together and like get this kind of laid out because a lot of the newspapers that ran articles about it don't exist anymore. Mm. Um, And Mm, then. Like, I don't know what the New York Daily Tribune is. I don't think that's a thing anymore. I was going to say, it sounds like a Spider-Man <laughs> newspaper. <laughs> the Daily Planet. Yeah. And, uh, which I know is a Spider-Man, but it's first my thought of. And uh, not only that, but then, like, if they had old copies, like, there have been many fires in New York <laughs> that have yeah. potentially taken them away. Uh, when you think about it, it's incredible there are any records left. There for sure. so many fires right. in the past. And she said a lot of this was her just scrolling through just, like, reels and reels of microfiche trying to find anything. And I'm just like, yup. I hate it. But that's why I appreciate, you know, people who are putting this level of work into it. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention at the beginning— uh, I like I said, I appreciate what Amy Hilhert is doing, but I have noticed a trend when I'm looking at sources about black historical figures that uh, most of them, and I would say all of the ones I've read, are written by uh, white people, which is just kind of like unfortunate because I think we need more um, black voices in publishing history. Um, and talking about it in general, history is a very white field <laughs> um, and a very white male field. So I appreciate that both of our sources today are by women, about women. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely that's somewhere that history could improve in general in, like, the space. As a field. For as sure. A profession. Um, and hopefully we can help make that happen. More divorce. Some regard. More divorce voices. <laughs> yes. Divorces. Diversity. Um and like it's nice to have these, uh, you know, stories. But uh, the example I used is like it's like when you watch a movie about black historical figures or black people in general, and all the actors are black, but the director and writer producers are all white. Mm-hmm. So then it's like okay, but we need more people behind the scenes doing this too. Like, yeah. which I appreciate Hollywood's doing that push of like, it's nice that we have black actors on screen, but then also what about the people over here? All of them are white. <laughs> can't we like let them tell the stories as well? Yeah. Like, why can't they do these jobs too? Yeah. And same for like women. And I feel the same about history, right? It's like, it's not, I'm glad we know these stories because I wouldn't know them otherwise. Amy did a lot of hard work and I appreciate it. Um, but I do hope that we can get more black voices in here to do those too. Uh, anyway, so it blows up this this story, right? Because they're just like, "What's going on? How dare they pull this nice lady who's trying to get a shirt off this cart?" And she describes it in that detail. You're like, "I screamed murder!" So it's like really dramatic. Yeah. Um, reading, and then it, and it it blows up too, not only because of that, but because of uh, there's just a lot of segregation happening, not just on streetcars, but in transportation in general. Everything in general. Everything I, in general. I assume, but it's especially obvious. In transportation, and mm-hmm. I was saying earlier, I assume that's because for some of these white people, that's the only time they're seeing black people. Yeah. Or that they have to, like, interact with them in the same space in any way. And you're kind of in a uh, enclosed space whenever yeah. you're being transported anywhere. And... Uh, Meet all sorts of people on public transport. Exactly. Uh, and, th- like, the equivalency I can think of is, like, how people now will be like, oh, like, maybe you don't want to take the bus because there's, like, homeless people, mm-hmm. which is, like, not a reason to not take the bus. They still got to get around, too. But it's it's the same kind of feel, I think. Not as bad, but the same idea that they're like, well, I don't want to take it because there's, you know, which is why they were segregating them. A lot of people have feelings about that because it could not only just affect streetcars, but like every kind of transportation. So they're like, oh, gosh, this is a big deal. And they pass around a hat at Graham's church so they can afford an attorney uh, donations, which is very nice. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have a bigger problem where they're not sure they can find an attorney 
to do it. Yeah. <laughs> because there are, as we said earlier, the 13 black teachers, um, not a lot of black attorneys. Still, some, someone's passing all that abolitionist legislature. It's true. Somebody's doing something. Someone's doing something. Uh, and eventually they're able to find. Um, Erastus D. Culver, who is an abolitionist attorney. God, that name. (laughs) Erastus. But, and he would do it, he tells them, but he has a really good excuse. He got elected to be a judge in Brooklyn, so he can't do it. Because I thought about that. I was like, could he still do it? And it's like, no. No. You, you, too much conflict of interest problems. It's like literally not in his jurisdiction right now, probably. Although they do it in Brooklyn, I guess. So I guess it would be, which actually worse. Um, Yeah. So he can't, but he left all his work to a promising young attorney they could speak to. Uh, he's been a lawyer for six whole weeks, and his name is Chester Allen Arthur. So mad. <laughs> I can't believe he's back. Which Haley was like, I can't handle him today. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle Chester She's today. Like, I didn't know he was going to be in this. God. Come on, dude. He's, he, you never expect him. He just appears he's, randomly. Because he's barely real. <laughs> Just like the white a white ghost in the proceedings of this court. Really real. Um, but so he gets filled in on the case, and he's very happy to do it. Uh, and I'm sure we've talked about this in your episode. But his dad, I guess, was an abolitionist minister, where that's like one of the main things that he would preach about uh, was just equality of people, all children in God's eyes. Yeah. And so he's you know raised with that straight from the get go, and he's a he's a good dude straight from the get go from the get go. But so he. So they end up suing the streetcar company, the conductor, and the driver of the streetcar in Supreme Court, New York. Uh, Not the policeman, of course. Why would it be the policeman? Police have never done anything wrong. Never done anything wrong, even though he, like, assisted them. And so uh, they filed a case in Brooklyn because the streetcar company is in Brooklyn, which is just basically a, uh, a jurisdiction thing that only... Law nerds care about. A streetcar um, grows in Brooklyn. It grows in Brooklyn. That's the trees <laughs> in Brooklyn. Um, but the incident happened in Manhattan, which is why it's like, why is it in Brooklyn? It's because there are companies there. Uh, and they basically with legal cases, like when you sue someone, they want to make it kind of like as easy for the defendant as possible because you're the one bringing the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like usually you go wherever they're located for just like ease for them. Yeah. To be like, well, we're not going to punish them like by making them come all the way to you. You got to do it because you're the one making it happen. Um, but so they file a case in Brooklyn, like I said, um, and they chose a civil case rather than a criminal one because the consequences of criminal is like you can, you know, go to jail or like pay a fine or yeah. something. Um, criminal charges. Criminal charges. They want. Civil rights, civil <laughs> They want civil rights, so you got to do civil <laughs> charges. And with most crimes in America, you can sue for them instead of doing criminal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of your choice often. Like it's just whatever is going to be more effective for your goal. For sure. Or, like, for whatever justice you're seeking. Like, like with O.J. Simpson's the common one, right? Like, the state of California charges him, but then he's also sued by the Goldmans, mm-hmm. which they're allowed to do because it's seen as separate. But anyway— they choose civil because they want civil change to happen with these streetcars, that they want them to be, you know, more uh, integrated. And so they're hoping that if they can get one company, like, you know, this one company to have to pay them for that, and that maybe uh, when you do civil cases, you can include stuff that's not only, like, monetary damages, which is usually what you get, but also you can say, like, hey, I don't want this company to do this anymore. Right. That could be one of, like, the punishments or whatever, you know. Um, 
So that's their hope is that the judge is going to be like, hey, no, no, that's not allowed anymore by right. anybody. S- suddenly. Yes. <laughs> but so uh, the conductor and driver are basically default. They say, we don't, we'll do whatever you want. Sure. We don't care. We don't yeah. want to go. Uh, just tell me when I owe money. Bye. Which is fair because they're probably not getting sued for like anything basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and then the streetcar company obviously is like, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, so they start the case. Elizabeth Jennings versus the Third Avenue Railroad Company is going to trial. And uh, it goes trial February 22nd, 1855, which is seven months after the incident. It's pretty fast. Uh, I guess uh, one of the things I forgot to write down was one of the parts in the book, uh, Hearth was like, how did they get there? To Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. Because it's across the river. Mm. Um, and, like, the bridges aren't built yet. And the bridges aren't built. So they said they probably had to walk across the ice to get to Brooklyn. Oh. And I was like, yikes. Sure. Um, but, wait, yeah, the wait, Brooklyn Bridge doesn't exist what month? yet. February. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So it's, like, probably frozen over, and they probably have to walk across the ice to get there, which is, like, <laughs> fun. Yay. Easier than taking a boat, I guess. I literally can't take a boat right yeah. now. <laughs> They should just put the boats on like uh, on skis. Like, yeah, like put it, just do a sleigh. Yeah, <laughs> a boat on sleds <laughs> is a sleigh. It's a sleigh. Um, they they still use oars. They're like rowing. <laughs> it's a, anyway, the gallery is full of Jennings' fellow churchgoers, members of her father's organizations, and a reporter for the Brooklyn Daily Eagle. I assume that's just he's already there because that's like his job to go to all the trials, not like her specifically. Yeah. Um. But, you know, f- fun trial to be at probably. And I'm very jealous. I want my job to be to go to trial and just watch. Yeah. Especially because they don't write half of those things. So it's like you just get it all day. It's just like you go to watch court TV all day and then just write down like four things that happened. God, it's got to be so boring, though. <laughs> I like court, though. Like every every now and then <laughs> there'll be, boring. you know, something like this, like an important civil case where sure. you're like, wow, the implications of this are drama, huge and far reaching. And then other times it's, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, Super dull. Their weeds are growing on my lawn. I want. I uh, was looking online. I was in a, one of my groups, and they were talking about jury duty. And one person was like, I've only ever been in jury duty one time. It was a dog bite case, mm. and it took like three days. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty boring. <laughs> pretty boring. And I was like, fair, but I wanted jury duty real bad. So I, I, want, I just want the experience. Same. I was called for jury duty one, no, sorry, two times in my life. One time I couldn't go because I was in college and so I was in a different county. And the second time was like, in, like I think a year ago. Like it was like right before pandemic happened, basically mm-hmm. like in February last year. And I like got all dressed up and I went there. I went to Seattle. I took the bus and it was like early in the morning. And then I looked on my phone to be like, is it happening? And they were like, no. You're dismissed. And I was we like, come on. I, I was already there. I'd already been accosted by a random man asking me for money while I was in a restaurant. I was just like, man. <laughs> I've gotten so many I jury. I want to get in the building. So many jury duty uh, things. Mm-hmm. And I've never been in the same state right. when it was issued. I'm assuming you get a lot for Alaska just because there's not a lot of people. Yeah. Your number comes up more. <laughs> Often. Yeah. But also, but when I was thinking about going to paralegal certification time, I was also, like, considering doing stenography mm-hmm. because just court, fun, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm always intrigued by their, their weird alien keyboards. It's so weird. Because there's, like, 15, like, 10 or 15 keys. And it's all, like, sound-based and stuff. Yeah. But it all, like, but you have to, like, uh, pass a test. Like, you're... you're 
WPM has to be like really, really high even before they let you try. Mm-hmm. And then it's all based on like you have to pass this one test like perfectly. And I was just like, pass. <laughs> I'm not good. No. I can't have it rely on one test. There's a reason I went to college and I didn't do AP classes. And it's because, no, 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 no. Like you have to pass one test. And I'm like, I'm bad at tests. Anyway, the details are fuzzy about this trial because uh, Hearth assumes that the. Uh, like, actual reports of it burned up in a fire in Albany in 1911 because it was, like, a state library that burned down. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I'm very upset about because I wanted to read it because I know how to read cases now and I wanted to read the case, but I can't. You can't do it. So all the primary, well, I guess, well, would it be primary or secondary if it was, like, newspaper articles about the case at the time? I would say... Probably primary, just because it's at the time. At the time. Yeah, I think that would be the main thing. It is technically not primary. Like, it's not like someone's journal. Mm-hmm. But I think nowadays we consider that a primary source. Yeah. Versus a different, you know. Versus, like, someone writing about the case now. Right. Um, but so the jury is obviously full of white men. Honestly, the room, like it, it's weird because, like, the, the gallery is full of people of color, mm-hmm. right? Black people are back there. Yeah. Um, besides probably the court reporter guy. <laughs> He might be the only white man in the room. One, there's like um, a, a Tom Holland type small boy just <laughs> yeah. with his little notebook. Oh. Um, they're probably being real nice to him, though. But um, so the gallery is very black, and then the front of the room is incredibly white. It is everyone's white up there except for Elizabeth. Yeah. Her attorney's white. Their attorneys are white. All the lawyers. Judge is white. Yeah, everybody, jury's white. It really? Everyone. It really. Uh, facilitates an us-versus-them viewpoint, doesn't it? And, like, you talk about being segregated here. I mean, <laughs> literally behind them, you know. Uh, one woman is allowed to be up there, and only because she's making it happen. And only so. one boy in the back. <laughs> and one boy. We're just assuming he's, like, a, a child. A, a, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, they wouldn't send senior people here. I mentioned, I don't know, I mentioned Spider-Man, so now I, all I can think of is just, like, a little boy in a news cap. Just like, I'm, I'm here to write notes and make a story. I'm going to do it. It's going to be important for my career. You're like, okay, sir. Um, it probably will be. But uh, they hear arguments, and then the judge instructs the jury, saying that the companies are liable for their employees and how they act. Because I guess the railroad company tried to be like, well, it's not our fault that he's acting up. And they're like, no, it is. Uh, if, he, if he's on the clock, it is your fault. He's, he you is are liable. your employee. You are liable for that. That's why they have really strict rules about what you're allowed to do at work. That because the business served the public, even though they were privately owned, they had a duty to transport, uh, quote, colored persons, if sober, well-behaved, and free from disease, have the same rights as others. It's really incredible how quickly um, racism tends to fall apart when you just look at it from a legal standpoint. Yeah. Which is why I'm always like, so why did it take so long? (laughs) Right. When law say... Do the same thing. Do it. Mm -hmm. And then the bus people are like, okay, but only in some cars. Like, no. Or only on the outside. No. No. But in order for them to change it, you, like, have to sue or, like, it has to be made into a law, right? Like, there's no way for them to just be like, no, you have to do this unless they're citing something specifically, which is why this case matters, right? So he lists that, you know, like I said, if if as long as they're following the rules, you know, he says sober, well-behaved, and free from disease. And I'm like, yeah, which should also apply to white people. Don't let the drunk white people on the bus. They have to be well-behaved. They can't have diseases. Don't put them on. 
uh, but that they have the same rights. And he tells them that before they go to, you know, confer, so, <laughs> which I love when judges do. They're, they're basically, like, telling you the verdict. Yeah. They're just like, just so you know. Um, just, just so you know. Everything they argued was stupid. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. not what the law say. Yeah. Now go choose, please. Um, and Jennings wins. Um, it would be very upsetting if she lost at this it would, point. What a bummer of an episode. I want to tell you the history of how this black woman was crushed by society. Uh, by everyone around her, by constantly. Literally everyone. The whole force of the community band together and failed. Woof. Wow. <laughs> what a great episode. I hate that. Um, so she was awarded $225, which is about $6,300 today. And she also got 10% for court cost. They asked for $500, which is like double. Um... But that's pretty normal. Like, you usually ask for more than they give you. You mm-hmm. assume they're going to give you less. Like, that's kind of the strat when you ask for money at court. You're like, hey, I want a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So you'll see people being like, they're being sued for $5 million. And it's like, they're probably going to get, like, a million dollars. So they're just starting at a higher point. Yeah. Like, and the jury's going to reel it in a bit. Like, well, why, okay. why would you start low? There's no re- Yeah, because they're never going to go higher than what you ask for. So you might as well start at a, a high asking point. $100 billion. It's <laughs> like... Go way up there, dude. Um, But uh, more importantly, though, the 3rd Avenue Railroad um, started integrating their streetcars, not because they were told to, but because they're nervous now Mm -hmm. about lawsuits. Well, Which is the other thing, because I was like, it's possible the judge could have tacked on, like, you also have to integrate now. Mm -hmm. Um, And he didn't. But this suit put the fear of God in them that uh, it's going to happen again. Fear of money. <laughs> exactly. Uh, capitalism is terrified of losing money and especially of being sued frequently for the same thing because now it'll work. And honestly, this is why you, um, as a citizen, at least, at least in this country, yep, um, should not be afraid to sue corporations. For sure. Or institutions like universities. If they're doing something wrong, it is the only thing they will respond to. A hundred percent. And, um, I, you know, I'm not giving any legal advice here, uh, but most lawsuits settle um, and still probably you can get the change that you want if you just do that. Because, like I said, they'll be afraid. Yeah. They're, they're uh, counting on nobody doing anything. Yes. To get away with it. Right. Uh, and specifically this case, because they went to trial and everything— um, this sets a precedent so that if another person were to sue a streetcar company, another person of color for this same reason, mm-hmm. they're going to look at this case and say— It's going to be so much oh, easier to convict them. Right. Like, they're the prosecution or, like, uh, the plaintiff, I should say, because it's not criminal. The plaintiff for that case, their lawyer is just going to be like, ah, excuse me, there's a case where this exact thing basically happened, <laughs> and this is what they did. The attorney was the president of the United States. <laughs> So uh, I rest my case. <laughs> I rest my case. Regenning. Bye. Mm. Um, so not only is this railroad company concerned, but like everybody concerned because this is applicable to now technically all transportation. Um, it's not a far leap to be like they did this in a streetcar. So you also can't do this on a steamboat. Uh, it's essentially the same. <laughs> do we have to? Idea. Do we have to equality in a boat? Yeah, we have to do it specifically for boat too. On a horse? <laughs> Airware. Is it annoying that companies can't just do good moral things? Like, yeah. But is it nice that we can scare them into doing good moral <laughs> decisions? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's great that you can just scare them into being like, be better than you are, which I think is uh, 
you know, probably not seen more prevalently than today with, like, cancel culture and people, you know, um, keeping everyone accountable for, like, hey, what are you doing with that? People are just paying a lot of attention now, Mm -hmm. and companies are on their toes, which is where we want them to be. Yeah. In capitalism, you want to be, you know, keeping companies concerned. Right. So that they'll act right. Just like... Government should should be at least a little afraid of their people. So should corporations. Yep. When they are the size of governments. Exactly. And like when you're like society is so capitalistic, like ours is specifically, mm-hmm. that you got to have a way to keep them in line. And that's us, baby. <laughs> so deal with it. You deal with but it. But they'd be doing it back in 1850s with Jennings. She's getting oh, yeah. it done. Bless. Because you just got to have one person do it. And so, uh, uh, like I said, a whole bunch, basically all the streetcar companies were like, yikes, and did it right away. Black women just making it happen. For real. Because they're scared. Um, Because they also don't want to be the ones, they don't want to be sued, but they also don't want to be the ones who are like, oh, but you're the only one who's still doing this? Mm -hmm. Like, really? You know, you're all like backwoods feeling now. (laughs) So then they're like, oh, sorry. Uh, Do it right away. And then New York City passed a law called New York State's Civil Rights Act, uh, which included a section on not discriminating against people of color in transportation specifically. So then they, like, made it like you definitely can't do this as a law. In housing, though, it's still free. Oh, yeah. It's only specific. uh, (laughs) I think there was other stuff included besides transportation. That was just one of the specific ones. Baby baby steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extremely baby steps. Right. Um, Thomas Jennings, uh, her father, created Legal Rights Association, which helped black New Yorkers find lawyers and pay for them. Well, that's nice. Mm-hmm, very nice, because clearly he was like, this is an issue. And then goes straight back to his black leaders and like, what do we do about this? Let's mm-hmm. make a thing. And I'm like, bless. Bless. Um, and end with uh, Elizabeth's kind of end of her story. Elizabeth got married and she became Elizabeth Jennings Graham. So if you look her up, sometimes it'll be Jennings Graham instead of Jennings. Um, but unfortunately, her husband died only seven years after they had been married and she suffered a miscarriage. So they never had kids. Mm. Um, that was the only time she was pregnant. And but she started a free kindergarten for black children, which was probably the first of its kind in New York, Um, as well as she had a small lending library that was named after her because she started it, as well as uh, she did like a Saturday sewing program to like just just taking care of community, just be a nice lady. She's a nice lady, (laughs) sir. Um, And overall, she's just fabulous. Thank you for existing and doing your do. You know, you got it done and uh, preach. Preach. Getting it done. We owe black women so much. Now we're going to talk about one other black woman. Um, this one's shorter of a story. Uh, her name is Henrietta Wood. Mm. And I'm going to let you know, it's a real bummer. But it <laughs> turns out good. Okay, I promise. Okay. So, um, she was born into slavery in Boone County, Kentucky, sometime between 1818 and 1820. She's not really sure. <laughs> sure. She's like, I think I'm this old. Um, and she was separated from her family and taken to Louisville when she was 14. Um, she was bought by this guy, Henry Forsyth, um, which she uh, said about him, Forsyth was a pretty mean man. <laughs> I was like, understatement probably of the century. Yikes. That is a very scary thing for an ex-slave to say. Yeah. Um, so in Kentucky, uh, she would keep the house, and she worked on a steamboat as well in a Louisville hotel. Uh, and then she was sold a second time in 1840s to a woman named Jane uh, Sirode, or Sirode, I don't know how to say it. Um, but in 1848, they moved to Ohio, which was a free state, mm-hmm. and um, she was freed. 
Wow. By her ass. She just said, yeah, you're good. Um, and this was, you know, she calls this uh, her first sweet taste of freedom. Yeah. Um, right, of course. And uh, I'm sure by now, because a lot of, you know, BLM stuff going on, that people have heard people say this, um, that the first police were slave catchers. Uh, that's what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> this is what people mean. So the, her ex-enslaver uh, mm-hmm. uh, who let her go, uh, her daughter and son-in-law are like, that was our inheritance and you just let it go. They basically feel like their property was just given away that they were going to get. Oh, because right? like their their dad sold off. Their mom. Uh, uh, let, let their slaves go. Mm. So they feel like they've been robbed of property. I mean, that's just how it be with parents sometimes. Yeah, like if your parents spend all their money before they die, you don't get inheritance money. That's it. It doesn't. It doesn't matter who they sold whatever to. Yeah. They sell their boat. You don't get the boat. You don't get the boat. That's you know. And I'm not trying to like say she's property, but like she technically was. So I'm like, there's no. It doesn't make sense. And even if they don't sell the boat, even if they give it to the city or whatever, mm-hmm. it's not yours. Right. So it makes no sense. The the amount of uh just i just des- i deserve a people yeah it's gross because um, once upon a time uh it used to be the family yeah so we we deserve her no basically um but yeah they feel like that's their stolen inheritance so they um team up with this guy zebulon ward jesus yep uh he's a deputy sheriff and uh from kentucky and they bribe him to kidnap her Okay. Which is very, unfortunately, normal at the time. Uh, I hate it so much. Um, because of the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, um, basically, that was like, if your slave escapes, you're allowed to go get them back. But she didn't escape. She didn't. <laughs> no. This is illegal all the way through. But the problem is, because of that act, people would take any black person from the North that they could find, yeah. steal them, and say they were stealing them back. And, like, who's going to believe them in the South? Yeah. They have no reason to. And if you kidnap them while they don't have, um, like, identification, how can they prove it in any way? Right. If they were ever free at all. They're being human trafficked. Yeah. No one's going to believe them at the yeah. destination. So thanks, Millard Fillmore, for passing that, you terrible demon. What's... <sighs> hate. I don't... I know so little about you, and I hate you so much now. What more do you need to know? This is it. It can only get worse. Yeah. So. Thanks. I say sarcastically. So um, his name is Ward and her name is Wood. And so then my brain got confused Mm. because... Just call him Zebulon. Yeah. So Zebulon um, gets in with a gang. Okay. He's a deputy sheriff. Yeah. He goes to join a gang that does this specifically. Like goes across borders with free states and then steals people back. Are you like a little bit ashamed? No. God, it's incredible. So uh, he talks to... Henrietta's employer. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, I'll pay you this much money if you help me get her across the border into Kentucky. Help me kidnap a woman. Yeah. And they agree. Into slavery. They're cool with it. God. Yep. Someone who employs her. Like, they have a relationship. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't just random lady or something. It's not like even her neighbor would be upsetting. But at least, like, maybe he doesn't know her. Yeah. He has hired her. Um... So she gets tricked into going over the border 
Um, and then once they're in Kentucky, now he kidnaps her. He, like, points a gun at her and says, like, don't move or I'll kill you. Man, how—I wonder how they tricked her. Because, like— I don't know. Would— it, like, nothing on earth could convince me to go back. I think it's because her employer's involved. Mm. So she thinks, like, she they're thinks cool. She thinks it's, like, legitimate Because then there's a quote from this article uh. that says she, she watches Zebulon Ward pay her employer in front of her. Mm-hmm. Like, for her. And he's like, cool, bye. But it's like, hands him a wad of cash. And is like, later. Uh. Which I'm like, is the worst. I told you it's bad. <laughs> I told you it's a bad God, time. It just feels... It'll get better. Bad. Um... I don't, does she, like, shoot him in the woods? <laughs> I'm trying to think of how this gets better. I promise it gets better. <laughs> so for a few nights, um, they're going through inns, you know, as they get down to wherever they're going in Lexington. Um, and she tells an innkeeper at one of these places, like, what happened to her. Um, and they say, hey, do you want me to file a lawsuit on your behalf to tell them that you're a free woman and this should not be happening to you? And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Uh, of course I do. Yeah, would love that. Um but Ward, who kidnapped her, Zebulon, um, denies that she had ever been free. Just lies. Oh, it's like it. Um, he said, she said now. Yeah. And she can't prove that she was free because she's in her papers. Yeah. Because she got kidnapped. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you can offer to help, but, I mean, yeah, there's no real difference between an escaped slave, quote unquote, and a fake escaped slave yeah. if they don't have paperwork. Right. Which sucks. It's really terrible. That this is even a conversation we it's need to why, have. Uh, it's why it's nice that we have, like, databases now. Yeah. Right? So people can, like, look stuff up. So you don't have to have your information with you all at all times. Yeah. Or else not be proven who you are. So, like, no, I'm, like, I am allowed to exist. Exist. Be free. Hmm. Hmm. So, um, it's like, oh, but I kidnapped you away from your passport. I should say, so. this is 1855. This is pre-Civil War, uh, obviously. Still so late. So late it in is. history. But it's like it's like the same year, essentially, that um, it is for uh, uh, Jennings. So late. But so the courts, uh, they wouldn't even let her testify. Oh and they dismiss it. And uh, she gets purchased by uh, guy Gerard Brandon. Uh. And then uh, Brandon apparently, unfortunately, has, like, a massive plantation in Mississippi. He has, like, 800 slaves. Um, is that the guy who was complaining about, like, their inheritance? No, this is other people. They sold her to this oh, guy. okay. Because they just wanted money. Sure. They didn't want her. Um, and uh, there she has a son named Arthur with an unknown father. And uh, the Civil War happens. <laughs> Um, and so in order to not lose all of the people he has enslaved, uh, Brandon sends his slaves, including Wood, to—he makes them walk to Texas so that they won't get taken away from him because mm. Civil War is happening. Uh, or they won't get, like, randomly, you know, released uh, by people—by, you know, uh, the union. I'm getting, like, a weird murderous time travel urge. <laughs> There'd just be like, a lot of people for you to murder. Back just then. like pop out of a portal, yeah, and just like I don't know, yeah, do something really gruesome, like with a lamination machine or something, <laughs> like something that at the time they will have no they way don't to have explain any idea what's going on. They're like, "What even happened to you, dude?" Um, but so she keeps working for him, or she's you know she has to keep working for him until 1866, which is um, when the Civil War ended and the Emancipation Proclamation happened to re- free the remaining slaves. Um, and then 
So she returns to Ohio, which is where she was freed previously, files a lawsuit. Oh, she's still doing it. Girl. Yeah. You better work. So oh, she, I uh, love it. In 1869, um, which is, uh, I believe, 16 years after she was kidnapped, mm-hmm. she files a lawsuit against him for kidnapping her and selling her into slavery. Yes. Uh, and then in 1878, which is nine years after she files it, uh-huh. um, in a Cincinnati courthouse, an all-white jury, my quote says, listened as Wood testified to her horrific ordeal and asked for two or $20,000 in reparations. Uh, and the jury rules in her favor. Oh, my God, yes. The quote is, we the jury in the above entitled cause do fine for the plaintiff and, and assess her damages in the premises of $2,500. That's incredible Which money. is a tenth of what she asked for, but yeah. it, in today's money is $65,000. Yeah. That's a ton. It's pretty good. Uh, at the time. And it makes uh, Woods' verdict the largest slavery restitution case in American history. And it's still, uh, yeah, should have been more. For sure. For how much it was. And I'm so happy for her. I'm like, uh, yeah, right. she, she should have gotten more. I actually... Uh, have a quote about that. Hold on. Let me find it. Like, I don't know. If you just think off the top oh, of your is. head, how much money should a person be given if they are sold into slavery? Yeah. Um, hmm. Ever. Yeah, in any way. Just uh, flat. I, I got to say, it's in the millions. For sure. Tens of millions if you're being, like, really honest. Yeah. It's just because she was, like... I think she gets enslaved for, like, 16 more years. Yeah. It's a lot. It's like a million dollars a year or something. For sure. At least. At least. Um, but, yeah, I have a quote from um, the the New York Times declared in an 1878 article, not a large sum by way of indemnity for kidnapping and for 15 years of slavery. Yeah. Yeah. So even the New York Times is like, really? That's it? Because what is that, Come like, on. per year? What is her? Oh, I don't know. 2,500 divided by 15. I refuse to do it. I will. I won't either. <laughs> but divide by ten, it's two fifty a year, so yeah. it's less than that. So she's given that. Um, she does get the money, which like often they don't. So that's good. Yeah, Zebula does pay her. He doesn't admit fault though. Ever he just pays, which is kind of admitting fault, but he never says like I did it. And then the memo line he wrote to pay for the last uh, N word that will ever be paid for in this country. Mm. So basically, he's like, which he didn't say like the. The, the worst N-word. He just said an N-word I don't want to say. Um, yeah. You can guess. There's only a couple. But, um, yeah. So he, like, made a joke about it in his little check. And you're like, cool. Glad it's funny to you, sir. Um, I'm, just, and, I'm just shaking my head. That's why I'm quiet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, this did not lead to a lot more cases like this. Yeah. Um, And it's even, like, the judge, the way he talks about it, basically is, like, him telling people to not keep doing this. Mm. There's a quote from him that says, Fortunately for this country, the institution of slavery has passed away, and we should not bring our particular ideas of legality or morality of an institution that of character into court or the jury box. Uh, I'm pretty sure you should. So he's like, slavery's over. So, like, we don't have to keep doing this. Yeah, but, like, for this trial at least, slavery was not the issue. It yeah. was that you kidnapped a free person and sold them into slavery. Right, exactly. And not only that, but, like, but it's like this it did happen to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And they're worried that, like, a lot of cases like this are going to bankrupt the South when they're already having a hard time 
good. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, but that's why uh, people of color also okay. live in the South. But um, yeah, exactly. And um, they somehow made a way not to be in poverty. So I'm sure they could have right put the money in someone else. Figured hand. it out. Yeah. Um, there's always a way. But the biggest thing here, I think, is that um, you know, there's a lot of talk about reparations right now. Um, and I think there's a lot of kind of like confusion about that and like if it makes sense in some ways I know Mm -hmm. for some people and this is the kind of stuff that was happening to people at the time and most of them didn't get reparations for this happening to them right um and like to show you what reparations can do um for Henrietta Wood a lot because she got a bunch like a lot of money for her mm-hmm. and she was able to send her son Arthur um he moved to Chicago and she put him through law school and he became the first black like one of the first black graduates from Northwestern University's law school nice so like a lot especially because this is like this is 1878, and, you know, um, when we talked about Jennings, she was having a problem in New York finding a black lawyer in the 1850s. Yeah. So clearly they're needed and not around because they don't have the opportunities that they could if they had some money, you know, because they were enslaved. So uh, it can change people's lives. And, like, part of the reason that there continues to be a wealth gap between uh, races is because specifically with black people is because of slavery and like slavery continues to have that effect because yeah, if like they wealth. were impoverished, it's really hard to get out of poverty. Wealth is uh, inheritance largely exactly. as is debt. And yeah. so even, uh, even if it's been hundreds of years, that's why people want reparations. It's like the sad part is like, it probably hasn't been a hundred like hundreds of years. It's true. It's probably been like a few generations. Right. Very like true. your great grandmother maybe mm-hmm. uh was enslaved or like her mother. Right. Exactly. So yeah, it's that that's why people want reparations and like, you know, when I read this story, I was like, I do want to talk about it because it shows just like how quickly it can turn your life around, you know? Yeah. Like how much more um, black people could do for their own lives and for other people's lives, like contribute to society with like being lawyers, being doctors, being anything, mm-hmm. if they just had the monetary ability to do that. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> it, it's just back pay. Yep, pretty much. Um, it, it's just back pay. Yeah. Don't think of it as a reparation. Think of it as wages. Right. For uh, all it, the time when people helps. weren't getting paid anything. Um, Which we know we're kind of uh, preaching to the choir here. Yeah. You know, people, you, if you're listening to this, you get it. We assume, you know. But, like, in oh. case you need maybe a good argument or a good example of, like, actually it happening, yeah. uh, Henrietta Wood's a great example. Right. With that, like, extra cherry of, like, well, even by the laws of the time, she mm-hmm. should have been free. Yes. And uh, just just proud, you know, basically just want to say, but look at these wonderful black women. Black women are so powerful and amazing. I love them just, like, hunting these men down. Look like, at what they can do. Hell no, I'm getting justice. It's the best. You're going to regret being named Zebulon so, <laughs> when I hunt you down. I just want to add to your list of, like, <laughs> you know, women getting, like, black women getting the stuff done. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's two more. That is just oh, like, yeah. yeah. And doing it the court way, which, you know, the court way. impressive. Yeah. That's difficult. <sighs> yeah. That and is. tiresome. It's hard for any woman in history to mm-hmm. go the legal route. 
but especially black women. Especially black women. But the effect is especially there and appreciated. So Powerful. Good for you. Love it. We love you. Uh, thank you for listening today. You can email us at hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know any more lovely black women you'd like us to talk about. Always could use more of the ladies. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard of – I'd heard of one of these ladies when I had been looking up kind of like black historical women to talk about. And then just by randomly browsing all that's interesting, that's how I found uh, Henrietta Wood, mm-hmm. um, which thank you to them for like posting about them. Uh, that's one of the big things is it's the hardest thing about – um, researching uh, like people of color, historical figures is just knowing they exist, knowing yeah. their name. Um, so that's always super appreciated. And uh, any other suggestions for episodes you'd like us to do? Um, you can email us those at hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can join our Facebook page. You can leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever they'll let you. Uh, super appreciate those. And uh, we need to do <laughs> – we're really behind on minis, but I promise we'll get caught up on them soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot going on this year. We're moving pretty soon. Um, so there's just like – Yeah, pandemic continues to be a drain. Yeah. It feels like things should be better because it's like a new year, but it's still the same stuff is happening. So we're yeah. doing our best. Um, <sighs> Everyone just doing their best. Yeah. But we hope you still appreciate what we can offer here. And – um Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.